This is the Global Logistics Podcast, and here is our host, Steve Grossman. Okay, so I'm here with the Urgent Barons. He's the uh, CEO, or uh, is that hopefully that's the right the uh, right title from a company originally Universal Marine, uh, but is now um, with uh, Qualis Ship Management. And thank you for joining us, Urgent. And perhaps you could. Give us some background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you arrived at where you are today. We, we have started Universal Marine in the early uh, 2000s. My own uh, my, uh, my background is uh, shipbuilding. We have been uh, building ships in uh, formerly in uh, Ukraine, Romania, and in Holland. And we joined forces with uh, with the ship owner. And then uh, started uh, Universal uh, Marine, ordered ships in uh, in China, and uh, built uh, a company of uh, about uh, 22 vessels, yeah. which we, we had in ownership uh, and in uh, and in management. And uh, yes, uh, the uh, up to let's say uh, the 2008 crisis afterwards, uh, we had some uh, some decline, um, we uh, up and downs, and. Um, Finally, let's say that uh, all vessels from the Universal Marine period uh, have been sold. Yeah. And uh, we like to go further under a new name, but uh, let's say, and uh, looking for new investors and people uh, to join forces uh, to set up a new uh, new company uh, in the name Aqualis uh, Ship Management. No, thank you. And uh, well, it's quite a couple of things are quite, I mean, I've got a, a few questions here, but as always, you've, you, you've given me some really interesting uh, points uh, one of which is I know you mentioned the 2008 crisis um, and many people will be thinking or may think well you know a lot of it was to do with banking and I know it all started with a subprime and the housing market and everything and it spread but how did it actually spread onto the shipping market um, I mean obviously we know it was a global catastrophe of course but what happened was it a very did it happen very quickly did you suddenly see orders dropping off um, would just give us an idea of, of how how quickly that kind of affected what you were doing with Universal Marine. Um, it's directly after uh, 2008, with the whole uh, crisis, also transport collapsed. Which, uh, on the same time, uh, the years before, uh, we had the bullish market, and a lot of new buildings were in order, and a lot of new vessels have been built. So we got, uh, after 2008, a market where uh, new vessels were coming into service yeah. and there was less cargo to transport it. So uh, in, the, in the concurrence between all the shipping owners, the prices dropped uh, for the cargo. So um, we uh, went finally with, uh, we had to sell for prices far below the OPEX cost. Uh, let's say no for interest and payments of, uh, of the loans and on the same uh, way uh, also the asset uh, prices dropped uh, of the of the vessels yeah and, uh, so we, we were only facing losses and and also for the banks for quite a long time uh, banks have been supportive uh, to the shipping as everybody expected it would be temporary but uh, it took much longer uh, as expected and uh, also the banks took their time to solve their shipping portfolios. So some banks were uh, quite quick and others maybe still have the vessels in the portfolio to try to get rid of. We, we sold the last vessels, uh, let's say, only a bit more than a year ago. 
So it was still uh, the aftermath of the 2008 uh, crisis. And after that, the crisis, of course, all the asset prices dropped. And uh, on the other side, it gave opportunities to buy vessels uh, cheap and uh, being a better competitor. Uh, also for new building prices, uh, they dropped. And in the same way, also... Um, uh, innovation give a boost so you get better vessels uh, more fuel uh, efficient greener for a cheaper price and of course in in a market where we still had the old vessels um, the new vessels which were cheaper and using less fuel was of course uh, not the best uh, concurrence uh, we could have okay and and of course at the moment um the freight rates are really high at the moment so uh, and, and i'm i'm sure there'll be a, a market adjustment so would now, and that's a silly question I wanted to ask this, so now if you were, um, is now a better time or to have to, to do your operation with freight rates being as high as they are? Um, or I mean, are you directly affected by the freight rates? I guess you must be. Yeah, presently all the vessels have been sold, but we see now, uh, let's say, healthy freight rates. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, Finally, on uh, on the freight rates, we see today you can you can order, you can uh, buy vessels and operate them uh, with a healthy, let's say, with a normal profit. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's that which obviously is an attractive thing. And how on earth do you actually go about choosing the right vessel? And I know, it's a, sorry, that's a really simplistic question because I know it's going to be very complex. I'm sure it's very complex, but it struck me yesterday when I was thinking about this the the intricacies of actually finding. Um, a vessel to use can you give us a, a basic idea of how on earth you'd go about doing that it's a, a constant change of uh, of patterns of uh, of cargo so on on a certain way uh, let's say on a, a, a certain moment of time uh, a certain size of vessel is right for a certain area yeah and uh, a couple of years later uh, for the same uh, trades they use bigger vessels yeah. and um and the smaller vessels, uh, they can, let's say, have some period uh, where it will be more difficult to find employment. Mm. Finally, they find their own market again. So maybe uh, at a bit less uh, tariffs. But it, it, it's a co- constantly uh, changing to be look at where are uh, the customers and uh, which trades are, uh, which, which cargoes are being carried. The last vessel uh, we had was uh, uh, 23,000 ton dead weight. We, we, we found that uh, that market is, is, less, uh, is getting less attractive. The questions are for, uh, for bigger vessels, for uh, slightly bigger, uh, up to, uh, let's say uh, 30 to 40,000 tons. Yeah. There is just more cargo, uh, more coverage uh, worldwide and not, not more incidentally. So it's uh, on your, the whole pattern we see uh, sizes are, go- are moving up. But in a certain way, uh, also such kind of 20,000, they will be used on uh, on coastal trades and not worldwide anymore. So finally, that also that size will find another market. But it's uh, it's also the connections uh, you have, the tra- traders where you're talking with, cargoes where you're looking at. And and I mean, we've all seen, um, certainly in the last, well, sort of the last 15, 20 years, using container vessels as an example, they've just got bigger and bigger and bigger. But... I can. I always wonder about the, the the physical limitations of actually berthing points because you can have bigger vessels. I think if I can use something like uh, I think Hamburg as an, as an example, 
that's all very well, but um, you've got the points. So there's got to be a, a limitation of points where you can actually berth some of these vessels. So I suppose the question is, you know, how is the 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 port uh, operatives keeping up with the demand for these larger vessels? Because logistically, it must be a nightmare. Obviously, we all want bigger vessels, or shippers want bigger vessels because you can carry more on them. It's a, that's a simple fact. But is there is there a point that you can see where say we're not going to it's going to become an impossible task to accommodate these vessels but that is something of a consideration with the vessels getting bigger and bigger of course it's these are, these are also the calculations let's say of the of the bigger liner companies of, of course uh, you get a, con, a congestion or it's when one, one very big vessel comes into the port get everything on a certain, uh, certain moment over there and you have to get it away but with the, with the bigger vessels, they will call less ports. But on the other side, we see also, let's say, bigger vessels going into the, uh, the Baltic Sea, mm. where, where in the past we considered this as, as feeder business. So also the, the, the big liners, they, um, all, all the trades, uh, let's say, um, are getting bigger. And also with the bigger vessels, they, they call to ports which were in the past maybe only feeder ports right so it's by the volume of by the volumes let's say everything is um is changing it's everything depends on the vol uh, on on the volume to a certain port and the liners make their calculations what will be uh, uh, cheapest and best uh, fit for them where to call uh, with the bigger vessels or, or not and where, what yeah, to do with uh, with the feeder vessels but in generally yeah, you see bigger vessels coming to um, uh, to every to every port. The vessels are getting bigger. Yes, I know it's incredible, and as I said, <laughs> the scale of it is just astronomical. I mean, I I I, I was port based a number of years ago, and and you know the rise in vessel size is just eye popping, you know, because it, it's just a technology yep. we have now, and that kind of feeds into my next question, which but, I'm, but just look to Africa. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's oh. some, yeah, absolutely. Also, yeah. Yeah. Go on, carry on, Jurgen. Sorry. No, but it, it also, you see it also in Africa. So, some of the ports, they, they didn't have any infrastructure and they only had small feeder vessels. And now uh, big, big liner vessels are, are calling to the, to the ports in Africa. So it's, uh, it's, everything is getting bigger. And, and, and this kind of ties into that. And, um, and I know you, you touched upon it earlier, which is <clears throat> this kind of green route in terms of the environment. And I, I know we're all, we're all, trying to be a lot more serious about this but um certainly with shipping again going back in the day that i can remember vessels were perceived as quite polluting um but that's has to change and it is changing of course so give us an idea of what consideration you have to think about now and where you think the industry is going to be environmentally in, should we say 10 years time we have uh, at the moment we cannot say one fuel will be the solution for the future yeah, but uh, we had uh, in the past, uh, in the present, uh, we see LNG is more and more uh, getting a normal fuel. Mm. But uh, LNG is still uh, containing a CO2. Yeah. So um, it, it's only a temporary solution. So the next steps will be towards hydrogen or methanol, ammoniac. So these are the three most promising fuels uh, for the future. Yeah. And whereas with hydrogen, you have the solutions with the fuel cells, but also now the, the tests are being made to, to use the internal combustion engines also to fuel with, uh, with hydrogen. And we see the same for ammoniac. 
So it's with methanol, for example, we have already infrastructure. Methanol is everywhere available. So I think that that will be one of the first vessels already sailing on the on methanol, which are methanol carriers. Yeah. So it's uh, they are already in. Uh, but um, step, step by step, we will get uh, more into uh, these kind of fuels. So with methanol, um, we already can make the move. But at the moment, uh, methanol is not produced green. So it's still uh, uh, produced from fossil fuels. But it, it will be the first step. So when we have the, the vessel sailing on methanol, then the next step will be the green methanol. Does that mean uh, any current vessels, which for the sake of argument, we can call legacy vessels because um, they are around now. Does that mean that they could still be used in five or ten years time? Or do you think they're going to have to be phased out or they're going to have to be retrofitted? Um, the weight for fitting will, uh, I expect, to be quite expensive. Yeah. I do not expect uh, a lot of retrofits. It will be more from from new building, as it uh, one of the big points will come also with uh, with the storage of the fuels. Yeah. For methanol, um, it the volume it's much bigger. Yeah. As it is for uh, heavy fuel oil, but it it can be stored uh, under uh, normal uh, conditions. For, for hydrogen, we have to use high-pressure vessels of 350 bars or maybe even 700 bars. Oh, wow. um, so all the, uh, the storage will be very expensive. So that's also one of the, the, the key points, of, let's say, on, on the cost-wise, uh, that it will not go that quick as storage is, is just very expensive due to the, to the high pressure. And uh, thank you for explaining that, uh, Jurgen. Um, and just finally, and I know this is a shot in the dark, but where would you like to be with Universal Marine? What's your plan, for, should we say, in five years? Um, in, in five years, we'd like to have uh, vessels sailing, of, uh, let's say, have uh, the vessels under construction with one of the, the green fuels so that we, have, uh, we, we are building up a fleet, a green fleet. Uh, that we have actual programs or actual vessels being under construction. Which so th- th- that's where I look to be the future. What I, I like to be. Okay, I said that was my final question. Actually, no, I'm going to make this my final question. Sorry. What 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 is the 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 how is the market sort of accepting of this the, this environmental changes? Are they are they in general welcoming it or do, do they? I mean, it's a necessity, of course. But what's your feeling of when you speak to customers and clients? They know these changes are coming. Are they generally uh, welcoming? Uh, the market is uh, there. It's quite traditional and looking at cost. So it's uh, some exceptions. Uh, some of the uh, it, uh, it depends on the, on the customers uh, yeah. and and the green intentions of the of the customers. And there uh, it, it need to start. We have some uh, customers preparing to be uh, to pay a bit more for the green transport. If there are no customers prepared to uh, pay for the green, it will be very hard to get uh, to have the tra- transition uh, rolling forward. Jurgen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I knew it would be great to talk to you. Uh, and like I said earlier, thank you so much for your expertise. Uh, genuinely, um, really appreciate your time. That's it. Thank you very, very much. Okay, thanks, thanks a lot for your call. You're more than welcome. Have a good day. Take care. Yes, same to you. All the best. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You can find Global Logistics at glowlogistic.com.